Controversial. This your host B. Checking in with you. Uh, we're gonna get into some boxing today, man. We got the NBA finals going on. Definitely gonna come with some heat. But at the end of the week, um, we should be about about time next episode come out. We should be game four heading into game five. So we'll have a nice little breakdown on that, how the series going. Um, but for today, we're gonna get into some boxing, man, specifically off the top. You know, ladies first. So we're going to get into that women's boxing. Um, salute to all the women, not only in the pros, but the amateurs doing their thing. Uh, definitely want to salute to y'all. But without further ado, let's go ahead and, you know, get into the main event of last weekend. Uh, one to touch on that. So you had Shields fighting her opponent, Cornejo. And... Um, Looking back at that fight, you know, obviously it was a late replacement, I believe, a week or two out. Um, her original opponent, uh, forgive me for not um not having recollection of the name at the moment, but her former opponent did test positive for head, so they moved over to another opponent. And uh yeah, she she got in there, you know, she held her head above water essentially. When you look at the fight. Um, first off, I want to say that you saw a lot of critics after the fight saying, oh, if Shields fought like this versus X, Y, and Z or an elite opponent or this and that, that things would be differently. She would lose and things of this nature. But the Shields we saw on Saturday night is not the Shields we see all the time. And you got to respect it. You got to respect that she can ball, she can box, she can bang. You know what I'm saying? She just chooses to show it at different points and use it against certain opponents, as she should. Um, every fight's not going to be a fan-favorite fight like it was on Saturday night. Shout-out to Detroit for coming out and supporting. Um, but you have to be you have to be mindful that every task costs, um, spells for something different. So just because she's brawling in this fight, you might see her in the fight um, with somebody else, better or worse competition. And she's able to flourish in different ways. And that's a complete fighter. Um, so I'm not taking away nothing from her performance. I don't see her performance being something that is her style that she can't or that she won't adjust as needed moving forward. So I definitely look forward to seeing more shield. She's held the game down for a long time. Got another young young lady out of Detroit that's um, looking to become the face of boxing, Alicia Bumgarner as well. So I definitely, I definitely look forward to seeing Clarissa do her thing and eventually pass the torch it'll be very good to see and as far as the fight goes you know you know looking at the fight you see Cornejo come out early slightly on the front foot trying to establish position in the middle of the ring um trying to not pump her jab but hard a little bit but you saw shield close the distance early um throwing a lot of combinations throwing a lot of one twos uh 
big overhands that was there all night. Uh, shout out to Cornejo for standing up to him because she was getting hit with a lot of big overhand rights. Uh, and then in the exchanges, Clarissa would definitely hit her big with the second and third shots in a combination. So I definitely saw Clarissa let her hands go. Kind of fought a Mexican style um, on Saturday. And, you know, the fans love it. Cornejo had a good, valiant effort for herself in such a short time to fight one of the best, if not the best woman to ever box. So, you know, I just think that when you look at that, it was a pretty much a wipeout. Uh, you know, Cornejo got hit with some big stuff late. Uh, I mean, I don't mind that it wasn't a stoppage. It's not, it wasn't that deep to me. She was standing up to it, but I would just say, like, shit, she wasn't really returning fire in those later rounds. So, you know, I wouldn't have been mad at it, but I'm glad they let the fight go on. I'm glad Detroit got to see Clarissa Shields because um, they do not get to see a lot of her. And um, it'll be nice to see more of her in Detroit in the future. And um, more support of women boxing, you know. The women do their thing just like the men. We we definitely need to work towards making things equal and having equality on both sides um, of the sport. So I would definitely love to see more of that. Forrest, what's next for Shields? Um, there's talks about a Savannah Marshall fight that that I love. A rematch. I love a rematch in Detroit. I think that would break numbers. I think that would be one of the mm, the biggest women's fights since Serrano. Um, since Serrano and damn, 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 Serrano and Taylor. Yeah, Serrano and Taylor. So they're Madison Square Garden. So I think that'll do some great numbers there. And then uh, you got Shadasia Green. I mean, she hungry. She reminded me of Clarissa. She was coming up just hungry. She wanted, she humble, but she ready to get it. Uh, you know, I think that to date, that could potentially be one of Clarissa's tough, two or three toughest fights uh, to date at 168. Uh, who knows what that fight will be? Who knows when it will take place? But I think that that is the best women's fight in boxing, Shadeja Green and uh, Clarissa Shields. I look forward to that. Um, and yeah, I just look forward to seeing the rest of Clarissa's career. Honestly, also a couple of the ladies as well. But, you know, Clarissa's, you know, kind of, she's not on the back end, but she's getting to that. She's accomplished so much, it seems like it. So it's like, what more will Clarissa do in the sport once she once she conquers two or three more huge names, I'm going to be interested to see, and I, and I definitely look forward to that. And um, transitioning now, we're going to go into the Mungia versus Divrinchenko. Uh, when you look at that fight, uh, about two to three, not even two, three or four years ago, you could say that's a pick and fight. You didn't see a lot of improvements from Mungia. you seen he was more of a one-trick pony. He was getting hit a lot. He struggled with Gabe Rosado. Um, a couple of years ago, and this is at the time where you have Sergey fighting Triple G, uh, Jamal Charlo, very elite opponents, and giving valiant efforts in those fights. So, um, actually, I would have favored Sergey four, three to four years ago. But looking at the landscape now, um, the way 160 has panned out, the way fights have fell through. Sergey's on the decline, had a lot of tough fights, and his style is a tough style. So every time he goes in there, he's banging all the time. So um, every fight's going to take something from Sergey. Uh, Mugia to a lesser degree as well. 
Uh, when I look at that fight, I see a taller, rangier, uh, uh, aggressive guy in Mugia that's going to be on the front foot a lot of the night. He's improved his off offensive arsenal, better punch selection, um, just better fundamentals all around that you see in Mugia, more balanced. And then you see him, I'm not going to say his defense is great, but you definitely see him being more defensively responsible um, in the ring. And for somebody that's a value puncher as he is, he's definitely going to have to be weary of, of return fire. And that's and that leads me to my next point. So Sergey, to me, he's more of the kind of a one-trick pony veteran with some movement arsenal, but he's coming forward. He's trying to get it um, gritty on the inside and uh, make the fight tough. Get some overhands in there. Um, keep you, keep you from getting your distance. But um, I just think that that will only work so long in this fight due to his due to his lack of durability. You know, moving into late in the fight, I think that once that second win comes, I think that uh, once some pressure is applied to him in in the mid to late rounds, I think that you'll see Sergey fade. I'm um, I couldn't see like a KO stoppage. I I could see like a TKO stoppage. Um, but I, I'm leaning towards Mugia's decision. I, I feel like that the veteran will be tough enough to tough it out, but the last four to five rounds could be pretty grueling for him, um, considering the work rate that Mugia works at, um, the way he puts his punches together. He puts his punches together pretty nicely, and uh, the lack of durability for Sergey at this point in his career. So I don't see Mugia having too many issues moving forward. And... um excuse me, moving forward in this bout in regards to how weary he has to be. He has to be, obviously, protect yourself at all times. But I think after those three to, first three to four rounds, uh, especially if one of those rounds come with a higher pace, you can see Sergey slow down tremendously. Um, you can see Mugia jump on him and possibly stop him, if not just beat him the whole, um, beat him the rest of the fight. So I look forward to that fight, definitely. Um I definitely look forward to that fight. Hopefully the cards, you know, Dazzin, excuse me, the zone has this thing of always having cards going at this con concurrent with a another prom promotion. So I would like to see a little bit less of that so all of our eyes can be on these fights. All of us creators can, you know, get to put our input in uh, responsibly and be able to have a, a, a good eye on everything going on in the sport. But uh, last but not least, we're gonna get to the main event of the weekend. Um, Taylor versus Lopez. You got a former undisputed at one forty, and Josh Taylor, and then you have a former unified four belt champion at one thirty five, and Tiafimo Lopez. Uh, we we all see what's going on with Tio, man. Um, it's been going on since the Cambosas fight, probably a little bit before, probably at the Loma fight. And um, you just see that he's mentally not there. Even, uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have a skill set. Um, he does. He does have a skill set. He does have skill. But on these fights that you've seen him fight since the Loma fight, he's won off sheer talent. Sander Martin wasn't better than him. Um, I believe his first opponent, 140, I can't remember his name, but definitely didn't have a skill set to stay with him. Um, so I have I have my concerns about T.O. in this fight. I do. Um, T.O. is an aggressive 
He's an aggressive guy on the front foot. Uh, he definitely likes to get his one-twos going down the pipe, throw combinations, um, throw throw hooks and things of that nature. He, he has a he has a very um a very good arsenal of punch selection as well. I just think that when you look at Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor has seen so many elite styles in the Regis Pro grades. I'm not going to say an elite, elite, but the Josh Ramirez, the Jack Catterall's, um, these are guys that present a plethora of different problems, problems that uh, T.O. doesn't necessarily present. T.O. presents an athleticism problem, but I think that his athleticism can be can be negated uh, with Josh staying on the inside, making the fight gritty, uh, making him. I think that whoever controls the pace of this fight it's either going to have to be Josh Taylor on the inside or it's going to have to be T.O. playing cat and mouse um, on the back foot, front foot, but really, really, really picking his spots on that. I don't think that T.O. can win one way or the uh, one way or the other. But if I would have to say one, I would say the back foot, he's safer. He does have a little pop. Um, he's safer. He has a little pop. And... Uh, yeah, but even still, he was getting – Cambosos was able to close the distance on him. So, I'm worried about – really really what I worry about with T.O. is, first, obviously, the mindset. Before you even get in the ring, you could lose a fight, and he has the potential of definitely doing it. Secondly, his corner. What is his corner going to do when it's time to make adjustments? We've seen – we've seen the adjustments couldn't really be made in the Cambosos fight. Fights at 140 really haven't needed adjustments. Um, what is he going to do when Taylor on the inside? What is he going to do when Taylor continuously gets him on the ropes or out of position? Uh, how will he counter that with his feet or his hands? You know, that's what I that's what I need to see from T.O. Um, and just like the Haney camp, I believe that the Lopez camp definitely needs another voice in there that is going to um, have reason, knowledge, and equity in the game that could be in there in those moments to um, supplement you know, the fighter in those moments because every every man can't wear every hat. So I just think that there needs to be some delegating going on in the Lopez camp to to help Tiafimo. And the third thing that I don't know about it, my biggest issue is I don't know if T.O. Power going to translate. And it's going to be a really, really, really long night if his power can't get to Taylor, Taylor will, Taylor will eat on him on the inside. Taylor will bring relentless pressure. Uh, at that point, you'll have to, you'll have to expect T.O. to essentially rely on his counter punching and it's solid, but I just, I just don't see it. I don't see him being crisp in this fight. I see a lot of, I see a lot of things outside of this fight that, are gonna probably play a role because he he can't put it all together and and what I mean by put it all together is yes To can go in there and fight a, a B level C plus level B minus B plus fighter but he's fighting a, a B plus A minus fighter right? so I just think that there's a, a couple tools that he's gonna need in this fight which is he's gonna have to play cat and mouse he's gonna have to make adjustments. If the power is not there, he's going to have to rely on his timing. How good is his timing going to be on the inside? Um, if Taylor's fighting on the inside or at mid-range, time probably be a little better at mid-range. 
But then again, we got to see because once again, I believe Tio relies on athleticism. I think he a little he overrates his feet and athleticism. So sometimes he gets into trouble he can't get out of, you know, in certain spots in the ring. So really looking at that fight, man, and uh, just analyzing from my standpoint, I really see Josh Taylor getting a stoppage between the ninth and the tenth round. Um, I think I think six, I think five through seven, you start seeing the tide turn. Uh, earlier you'll see T.O. with a lot of pop, a lot of bounce in him. Um, you know, Taylor will be trying to find that range. Taylor will be very conservative and uh, economical in the shots he throws. But moving forward, you'll see him push forward on the inside, start to get his jab going. Um, watch him to counter T.O. maybe with some with some big hooks or even an uppercut of his own. Uh, kind of like you got Ramirez with. So, excuse me, I don't, I don't believe that was Ramirez, but correct me if I'm wrong. But, yeah, I, I do definitely perceive some opportunities on the inside for Josh Taylor to counter punch, you know, really hurt T.O., you know, and – I, we we haven't seen T.O. hurt, so how does he recover? Well, we've seen him get knocked down, yes, against Cambosis, but that was a flash knockdown. He got up. We haven't seen T.O. hurt. Can his corner coach him hurt? Can he run through the Can he run through the motions in his head and get himself out that hot water uh, when it's coming through? So those are just the questions I have about T.O. Fimo. Even um, but even if we're playing devil's advocate and let's say T.O. Fimo wins. I don't see him beating Matias. I don't see him beating Regis. Uh, I don't see him beating Hitchens. You know, this guy's um, without a belt, Gantuan Russell, 140 so deep. You know, half these guys that got the belts could lose to guys ranked right under them. So um, I don't think that it would make him a legitimate best at 140, but it would definitely put him in the conversation. Um I'm not saying that Josh Taylor isn't a good, a good fighter, but I think that um, he's he's not the highest, or I wouldn't rate him as a very high undisputed champion, although being undisputed is a high rank regardless. But I just think that um, you can't put as much equity in that win as you would want to. And moving forward, although I think Taylor's going to win, T.O., moving forward, I think T.O.'s going to have to find his way at 140, and depending on how this fight go, it may look really rough for him moving forward. So my final prediction, once again, on that is Josh Taylor, ninth to 10th round, and then moving forward from there, if you're looking into the betting side, I would say go 9 through 11. I think I think that's a real, real sweet spot to bet for the Taylor fight, um, stoppage. And um, I'm not sure about the over under rounds if it's if it's um if it's nine and a half if it's nine and a half take it take the if it's nine and a half i would say take the over for sure if you got nine and a half take the over eight and a half ten and a half i'd stay away from it but i definitely like the nine and a half on that one man so yeah man i appreciate y'all tapping in watch the fights this weekend stay tapped in we definitely gonna go ahead and get back into it on the weekend so probably next week you probably be looking at some little extra content we're gonna get into the nba we're gonna get into the post fight review of this and then we got some fights coming up in early july that we'll go ahead and, and touch on so i definitely appreciate y'all tapping in man controversial we definitely kicking back off with consistency and with some heat so yeah once again thank you all i look forward to
posting more content. Uh, we'll have, you know, YouTube videos coming back out soon. So just stay patient with me and stay down. And I'll deliver. I appreciate you all tapping in. You have a good one. I'm out. Thank you.